Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Oh, my people, it is time to come awake. It is time to engage in the realm of the Spirit. If you could only see the onslaught from hell that has been loosed upon this earth, and if you could only see the authority and power I have invested in you. You cannot sit by nor stand by in a place of apathy or complacency and expect the status quo to continue. You must make a decision to engage, for it is time now to take the ground that belongs to you, to receive the promises that I've given you, to go into that which I've called you into, to raise up that which I put in your life to raise up and to be my children empowered upon the earth. In this day and hour, you have no other option. You cannot turn to the left nor the right nor step back because there's danger in every direction except forward. So make a decision tonight. I will move forward. I will engage. I will rise up. I will shake myself. I will not be caught behind in this day and hour, but I will walk as the victor that God has called me to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 17, last week. Now, we're going to kind of head over toward Matthew 11 where we were last week. And I'm going to get in a little more in depth than really I ever have into teaching on the subject of offense. Because whether you recognize it or not, your life has been greatly affected by offenses in your life where the, a lot of people just don't want to realize it. And another thing is offenses have a way of conditioning you and, and becoming comfortable in your life, in your mindset, the way you think about things and the way you think about people and, you, and the way you think about certain situations. And, and one of the reasons I believe the Lord has given me a little more information on this subject is because as you look out into the world and the world system in our nation, our state, all that's going on, there's a lot of offended people out there. There are a lot of victims out there. I mean, they're, 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 uh, and they're, and they're kind of headed in such a direction in which, you know, here about November, second, third week of November, we may have a whole lot of offended people doing a whole lot of crazy stuff. Amen. Well, it's easy to, be, it's, it's easy to get swept away into that. You can get, listen, you can get politically swept, swept away. You could, you know, social justice, racism. Oh, there's all kinds of subjects out there that are, that are beckoning for you to hook up with them. Yep. Hook up with me. Hook up with me. You've got a right to. You should do it. You know, all these different things. But here's the thing. As a believer, you can't afford to do it. Amen. You can't afford to do it. Now, I, I did some studies on the word offense, and, and you know we've we've looked at the definition of, that we get in the in the in the uh, in the in the Greek language, which means to violate, to victimize, to cause to stumble or fall. But you know, if as you go in and study a little bit more in depth the subject of the word offense, there's a whole lot more to it than that. You know, if you if you get pulled over for a traffic violation, that's called what? It's called you get you're gonna it's an offense. You've committed a, a traffic offense. Amen. Uh, there are other things that, uh, you know, if you, if you get caught uh, doing different crimes and stuff like that, then you're charged with an, uh, an offense. Now, you can also take the word and, and, and apply it to, I guess, one of the, uh, uh, the most common sports that we can apply it to is football because people on, playing football are either on the offense or the defense. 
You say, well, now how can the word uh, uh, offense or offense relate to that? Here's how. It means to push forward with the intention of, with the intention of taking something. To push into with the intention of taking. Everybody say taking. So you got to realize offense wants to push forward into your life with the intention of taking. And many times what it takes, it takes your peace, it takes your joy. It, listen, there's so much that it can take from you, and if you don't watch out, it will condition you. And next thing you know, you'll have, you'll have 15 different offenses that are ruling your life. You know, you go through relationships, people go through jobs, different businesses, they have to deal with certain people, all this type of stuff. And as you do it, as you do it, there's always opportunity to become offended. Now, the phenomenon of offense, I saw so quickly in, 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 in ministry that it shocked me. I mean, I, I was like, what is this? And, and, you know, I mean, I came out of drug dealing and all kinds of craziness and, and were, you know, people were just kind of afraid to get caught by the police of doing anything. They just really didn't get offended at each other. They kind of had a, kind of had a common enemy, you know. And so uh, I got into the church and I, and I would, you know, I, I was just young and, and immature and experienced and I would, I would find out that, you know, I'd go to this church, I'd come back a year later and, and, and these people have left and this has done this and the pastor would say, well, they just got offended. People just got offended. And, I, and so I went in and did a study. We actually had a, a cassette tape series that we sold a lot of that, that actually talked about uh, offense from the Word of God out of Matthew chapter 4, uh, offense away, uh, the way God does things out of, out of Matthew chapter 11, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, the first one. People get offended at, at the Word of God and then people get offended at the way God does things and then get, people get offended at one another. But listen, the enemy has created an atmosphere of offense in the world right now. It's, it's being, listen, it's being communicated to us in so many different ways right now. So many different ways. It's just, that's why you got to be caref very careful how you expose yourself to what's going on. Now listen, we don't need to go stick our head in the sand and, and not be aware of what's going on in the earth. But we do need to be aware of the effect it can have on us, especially if we side with one side or the other that is offended. Amen? Uh, you say, well, what do you mean by that? I'm going to tell you. In reality, the only thing you need to connect yourself to is Jesus. Amen. You say, well, these people have a right to be this way and these people have a right to be that way. That's just getting caught up in their argument. Because let me just help you real quick. We said this way back when a lot of this craziness uh, started happening. Ain't nobody going to fix anything going on. Did you get that? The Republicans are not going to fix it. The Democrats are not going to fix it. None of the rioters are going to fix it. None of the peaceful protesters are going to fix it. It's not going to get fixed. The world will not fix itself. It is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. People say, well, I, I just kind of figured one day somebody's going to get their day. They won't. They'll get their day in hell is what they'll get. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we do everything we can do to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's so many people so offended right now that it's distracting them from the day and hour in which they're living and it's distracting them from the glory of that which God desires to do. That's why God's going to have to ramp His glory up. You say, why? Because He's got to break the distraction of the world and its offense in order to get the attention of the world and say to them, I'm a good God. I love you. You don't have to go down the drain with this world system. You can be born again and you can live in heaven. Amen. 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 I mean, that, literally, that, that's what has to happen. Now, here in, let me find here, Luke 17. 
There in verse 1, it said, Then he said to the disciples, that's Luke 17, verse 1, Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It will be better for him that a millstone were tied about his neck and he was cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. Now when you hear that in the King James, this is what it means. Pay attention. Pay attention. Leah gets offended at movies. We'll be watching a movie and somebody will do something in the movie and she'll say, that's not right. And I'll say, Leah, it's a movie. <laughs> Amen. So you got to be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Let me get over here. I've got this marked in my, I've got this marked here in my, let's do the Passion Bible. One day Jesus taught his disciples saying, betrayals are inevitable, but great devastation will come to the one guilty of betraying others. It would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and be hurled into the deepest sea hurled into the deepest sea, than to face the punishment of betraying one of my dear ones. So be alert to your brother's condition. Thank you for your amens. So be alert to your brother's conditions. And if you see him going the wrong direction, cry out. Correct him. If there's true repentance on his part, forgive him. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry, I'm, chi I'm changing, forgive me. You need to forgive him each and every time. Amen. Amen. Now, when I, when I came back to the Lord so many years ago, I came back offended. I was a victim. Victim of the lifestyle I lived, victim of everything that had gone on in my life. Victim of, of, of broken relationships, uh, lost jobs, lost opportunity. Victim of all of that. But I got so happy that God just welcomed me home. I did. It just, it just really gave me some type of strength. Because I really didn't, I wasn't, those first few weeks, I wasn't going to a strong church, didn't have a lot of strong uh, uh, support other than just to gut it out. Everybody say, gut it out. You say, what do you mean by that? Sometimes you have to suffer. I told somebody that the other day sitting in my office and they didn't like that because they were going through some situations in life and I told them, I said, sometimes you have to suffer. And the Bible says that Jesus himself learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And I had to suffer some things. I had to say no to the appetites of my flesh when my flesh still had the appetite. I had to fight that battle in the spirit realm. I had to learn how to pray in the Holy I had to make myself pray and read the Word every day. I had to cut every contact with all the world, the world system, all the people that I knew. I had to cut it and keep it cut. I had to quit answering the phone. I had to quit answering the door. I had to quit responding. And I tell you, I just had to pour myself into the Word and into prayer. Thank God, thank God for Brother Hagin. He was holding a prayer seminar up in, up in uh, Tulsa, and I drove my big old Buick up there. And every night I was in that Holy Ghost prayer meeting. Thank God it helped me so much. Then he had another one in July, and I came back to the one in July, and thank God I was able to start Bible school in September. And it helped me to get all of that, all of that clutter and all of that garbage out of me. Now listen, there are people in life that are destined to offend you. 
They're going to offend you. They're going to violate you. They're going to victimize you, cause you to stumble and fall. And let me tell you something. The range of that is enormous because there are some horrible things that people do to people. Amen. I mean, they're, they're literally some of the, 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 in this day and hour, some of the most terrorizing, horrible things that people do to other people. But now we're not talking about the world. We're not talking about what happens to you outside. We're talking about inside the church. And the problem is inside the church, people end up getting so offended at so many different things. And many times it happens because of a spiritual complacency on the inside of you and a willingness, excuse me, an unwillingness to actually press into the greater things of God that God's calling you into. Now, I've always, I've told the story uh, how, you know, I was there at Lakewood for uh, not, not, not quite two years. And I, I had uh, incurred the, uh, the favor of, uh, of the Osteen family. They loved me. Our family had known them since the early 60s. Uh, I had a place I sat right behind them uh, in every service. I'd walk in. The ushers would usher me right to my seat. I picked up speakers for Brother Osteen. I, I, you know, I worked in the, uh, when they had the conventions in the, in the, in the, uh, in the they had them at Thanksgiving, uh, one Sunday, uh, uh, an entire week, Sunday to Sunday. Worked in, went to all the special meetings. I mean, I, it was my home, and I saw myself there my whole life. And I went to a prayer conference in Angleton, Texas, and I was, I was a speaker, and another man was speaking there who was a pastor of a church. He pastored a church in Lamarck, Texas, and he asked me to come preach in his church. And when he gave me the address and I drove up in front of it, it was at a funeral home. And there were about 30 people in there. And I went in there and I preached, and I, you know, I, I shook hands and I left. And I thought, well, you know, that's all there is to that. And, 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 and about two days later in prayer, the Lord spoke to me and said, now you leave Lakewood and you come down and you go to that little church in that funeral home and you talk about getting offended. First thing I started to do was try, uh, starting to buy, I started to buy on the devil. I mean, I said, devil, you're a liar. You're not attacking my vision of life and ministry. I'm not going to come down to some church in a funeral home. I'm, that's the craziest thing I've ever. But how, here's how you know things are God. Number one, they don't, they don't leave you. They stay there. Things that, listen, things in your mind, they come and go like the wind blows. They literally do. They come and go like the wind blows. But things that get in your spirit, they stay there. You can't get rid of it. And then God has a way of taking his foot and pressing on them. <laughs> to where everything else in life becomes miserable because you know God is talking to you and you're rejecting it. Anybody know, know what that's like? And so I, I finally, you know, I just went, and, and I'm telling you, within two weeks, I was ready to leave. And I began to experience offense in my life on a level that I, I just, there's no way to describe it. And I'm not going to give you any particulars or, or, or tell you why or, or try to make a point that I was right in any way. I'm just telling you that there were many things that happened to me that I just ended up offended, and I had to learn how to deal with that. Amen. Because I tell you, for 15 years, I went to offense school. And I learned, here's what I learned. Anytime you interact with anybody, you're going to have opportunity for offense. But you can't cut yourself off from people. Secondly, any offense that you do not deal with, will it, will it grain itself in your personality, in your life, you will learn to live with it, but it's like learning to live with a demon. Because you will cut everything in your life off of that offense, no matter what it is. 
Now, go back. We, we were there last week in Matthew chapter 11. Now, now this is a, I've always been fascinated by that scripture and about John the Baptist and about what happened to him, how he died being beheaded in prison and how Jesus addressed it. Now, real quick, let me read real quick. You know, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding the 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard, now notice the terminology, in the prison. Now, the prison's in the city. In the prison, the words of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, and do we look for another? Now, this right here shows you the depth of what offense can do. John had been prophesied that he would be the voice of one crying in the wilderness that he would be the forerunner of Jesus on the earth, the greatest old covenant prophet that ever lived. Woo! Amen? Yeah. He, he, he was not immaculately conceived. He was supernaturally conceived. You say, what do you mean by that? God healed his mom and dad so that they could have a child. And she used to be called barren. Now she has a prophet. He was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He went into ministry, and the Bible says, then came out to him Jerusalem, Judea, and all the region round about. Listen, this is an effortless, effortlessly, effortlessly, effortlessly ministry. An effortlessly ministry. I'll get it out there in a bit. He's not putting out flyers. He's not, he's not putting out, you know, things on the internet. He's, I mean, he's just out there standing in the river, preaching like a madman, and people are just mobbing, coming out there by the hundreds. Probably the thousands. Amen? Secondly, he is identified by revelation. His revelation was not of himself. It was of who was coming after him. And whom he said, I'm not worthy to tie his shoelace. He said, I'll baptize with water, but one's coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And his revelation that God gave him became his identity. Now listen to me. Anything you're cynical about, you're offended over. Now let me say that again. Anything you're cynical about, you're offended over. Amen? And you can always tell the language of that cynicism because that's called criticism. Now, all of us, remember what we just read over in Luke. Forgive, 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 forgive. Are you with me? But the problem is, all of us carry in us the capacity to define and put out in front of us an unpardonable sin. You say, what do you mean by that? Something that someone can say or some, someone can do that you're just not, you just, yeah, no, they did, that, that's it. They've done it. They've done it. It's, do, it, it's, it's done. I'm done. And it's amazing how prevalent that is in churches where people get forgiven of all kinds of stuff from God. But the moment something happens to you that causes some type of offense to rise up, you declare it's unpardonable. I went back and was studying this week because it's always fascinated me. John, how did you end up in prison getting your head cut off? Because we know that's not the will of God. The will of God is to have life and to have it in abundance in Christ Jesus. 
The will of God is for John the Baptist to become John the prophet or John the pastor or John the evangelist or John the teacher or John the apostle or whatever five-fold ministry gift that Jesus would have placed him in. It was the will of God for him to be in the upper room. It was the will of God for him to be filled with the Holy Ghost and it was the will of God for us to have a book of John the Baptist in the Bible. I'm just speculating on that, but you would think so, amen. But then the other day in Luke chapter 5, I got to study it and I read it in several translations and obviously the place where Jesus chose 12 disciples was a public place in which there was a crowd. He said, and you, and you, and you, and you. And I thought to myself when I was studying that, what if John was sitting there on the front row? And he stepped up and stood overhead and said, and you, and you, and you. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we know that he's offended because Jesus says at the end of this particular story, blessed are those who are not offended in me. So he knows it's offended. He's questioned his own revelation that gives him his own identity. He left his place. And you know, you can, you can, you can stay in a church and leave your place. Offended, mad, upset. Pe people don't think that, but it's true. I've seen people like that. You've got to make a decision in your own heart. And here's something you have to do. You have to get real honest with yourself. And you have to get real honest with God. And you've got to be willing to allow God to turn a light on any area of your life where you have been violated victimized, caused to stumble or fall so that you can remove that blockage out of your spiritual life so faith can work, love can work, forgiveness can work, and you don't end up passing judgment on somebody for something they've done to you that you deem unpardonable. Amen. I had some things happen to me. Oh, I don't know. Right when we begin to begin the uh, begin the church, and some things were being said, and I tell you what, I got to the point where I just wanted to take a ball bat and correct some of it. And the Lord dealt with me. He dealt with me because there was a couple of things that happened to me that I had pastors would come to my home and say, "You have to tell your side of the story." And both times, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because through all of this, I was spending enormous time praying in the Spirit. I remember one pastor in particular sitting on my, we lived over on 32nd Street, sitting on my couch in, my, in, our, in our parlor, and he said, you've got to tell your side of the story. And it just came out of me. I never thought of it. I'm not that smart. But it did come out of my spirit. I said, if I tell my side, then there will be two sides. And people can gather on those sides. I'm on this side. I'm on that side. Then an incident happened that created a lot of grief. And anytime there's a lot of grief, there comes a lot of blame. And so a lot of blame was pointed at me. And I was praying one day. And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you will just walk in love and forgive, and if, 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 if you get blamed for everything that ever happens from now on, if you're able to walk in love and forgive, then you'll be able to be free from offense and I'll be able to show you a way through all of that. 
And one day the Lord turned a light in me and he said, listen, is that affecting you? I said, no, it's really not. He said, then that individual, there was an individual involved, he says, their grief is so strong, their pain is so bad, that, that they have to do this in order to somehow pacify pain and grief. And if you're willing to just let it go, and you know what I did? I just let it go. If you're willing to just let it go, then what you'll do is you'll sow a seed of restoration in your life that one day will show up and cause everything to be good again. The other day I got a prophecy from another pastor. Almost word for word what I just said. And I thought to myself, hmm, all these years later, and the Lord still reminded me of that and bringing that back up. You know, I, I got to praying here. been about two years ago. Because, you know, you, you start a church. You, you, you believe God. I mean, the pattern was set in me because I spent 18 years in field ministry. Going to churches that had 20 or 30 people and five and six years later they got three and four and five and six and eight hundred people and they got a building and they got a campus and they got all these facilities and I'm like, what did I do? You ever think that? What did I do? So I'm doing all of this searching and all of this turning over every rock and, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, one thing you do not realize is the season that I've called you to pastor in Secondly, the days and the hours which are coming. I did not know all of this was going to happen. He said, third, you do not know how patience produces the maximum potential of the glory of God in the kingdom. And how just being patient will be your greatest tool and your greatest asset if you will let it. Well, that helped me a whole lot. I said, that helped me a whole lot. It helped me not to get offended. Now, let me tell you something. When you cut off the communication from heaven to your heart, you're in trouble. When you cut off the communication of the Word, the Spirit, and the way the Father talks to a child, and the way the Son talks, the Word talks to your heart, and the way the Spirit of God with its authority speaks to your human spirit, listen, you're an automatic victim. And churches, what happens to many churches is people go through three or four or five of these things and they become very vulnerable. They don't want, listen, they don't want to work in the nursery again. They don't want to sing on a praise team again. They, they don't want to be an usher again. They just want to go somewhere. Where, and I heard a guy literally say, I want to go somewhere I can sit and everyone leave me alone. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'd love to pastor a church like that. Well, I could just come preach, everybody leave me alone, you know. You know that's not going to happen on this earth. That's not going to happen. And your interaction with your, now listen to me very carefully, your interaction with your brothers and sisters and your ability to overcome every offense that would try to raise up is one of God's greatest tools to form your character so that you can get through some of the toughest times this world's ever going to see. Because I'm telling you, the enemy, he's got his best pitches saved for last. Just like God saving the best wine for last, the enemy's going to save his greatest onslaught. And let me tell you something. He is not after the Republicans. He's not after the Democrats. He is after the church. He wants to destroy the church, and he wants to come at leadership. He wants to come at laity, and he wants to tear them to pieces. Yeah. You ought to go study this interesting study. You know, you know, Saul got himself in trouble. Bless his heart. Uh, you know, he did. He, 
He offended God. He offended himself. He just offended everybody. David, I mean, he's just a mess. But he was still the anointed king. But at the end of his life, when the Philistines were attacking Israel, here's how the Philistines gave the command. Do not fight with anyone on the right or the left, but find the king and his sons. What was he doing? He knew if he could get the leadership, he could destroy it. And so much leadership in the body of Christ has been destroyed just like that. The enemy doesn't come in and go after the sheep. He goes after the leadership because he knows to get the leadership, he's got the sheep. That's why you, have, you need to pray for pastors. You need to pray for your pastor because the enemy goes after leadership. And so much leadership in the kingdom got so distorted because they just would not, they would not realize that to stand in a day of spiritual onslaught is not easy. You've got to inform. You've got to inspire. You've got to lead by example. And you've got to serve from your heart. And if you don't do that, then you lose it. You've got to do it day after day, week after week, month after month. And you cannot afford to end up in prison. Amen. John should have never went to prison. You say, well, prison was, if it was in the wilderness, then he might have had a reason to be there. But the prison was in the city, and John left his place. And as far as John was concerned, Jesus committed something. Now, we speculate with this because we don't have chapter and verse on it, but he was offended. He was not chosen as an apostle. He was not chosen as a disciple. But he was chosen as a follower. Listen, one of the greatest revelations. My time's up. I'll close with this. We'll pick this up again next week. I've got some good stuff on this. You're going to like it. And I'm telling you, this thing has translated into so many different areas of my life. Lee and I were... The Lord had spoke to me about God was going to bless Leah with a house. And, and she loved the, the old antique homes. And, and we actually were living in one that was a real, real nice. And, and, but the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, she did not want to obey me when I told her to go in business. But she obeyed me anyway and sacrificed, went into business. And that helped launch ministry for you. So I'm going to reward her. And so the Lord showed us a house. And, and it was, just, it was just impossible for us to get it. So the Lord spoke to me in my spirit, and he said, this is how you do it. He gave me such a detailed plan. It was amazing. It was so amazing. I, I still marvel at how he did it. Even to the very time of the day and the day in which to make offers and how much offers were. I mean, it was amazing. But anyway, in the midst of all this, you know the Bible, we just read it when we took an offering. Don't be weary in well-doing. I was getting weary. I mean, I was. I was fighting a physical fight. Excuse me, fighting a spiritual fight. The Lord showed me different spirits that were involved in this thing. And the Lord spoke to me something that is translated from that situation into, into just about every situation of life. He said, your problem is you're looking at what you don't have and concentrating on what you can't do. Instead of looking at what you do have and concentrating on what you can do. Remember, I wrote that down. I brought it, I brought it to Leah. She got off work. I said, let me show you what the Lord showed me today. We had our eyes on, well, we didn't have the down payment. We didn't have this. We didn't have that. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. And that's all we talked about. And we immediately stopped that. We stopped it right then and there. And we started saying, well, what do we have? Well, you know, we sowed that seed toward, toward uh, that guy's building. We one of the ministers that we preached in their church. Like they were building a building. We sowed that seed, believing God for a house. We did this. We prayed this. We confessed this. We got this word. We, and we begin to see all this stuff that we did have. Amen? 
And none of it was financial. It was all spiritual. And we saw that what we were trying to get financially that we did not have could be attained by, could be attained by getting our eyes off the financial realm, getting our eyes back on the spirit realm. And so we just begin to worship God. We begin to find out what we did have was praise. What we did have was faith. What we did have was hope. What we did have was an expectancy. We begin to speak the word. And next thing you know, God blessed us with this beautiful home. We lived there, what, eight years? Eight or nine years we lived there. Now, you've got to realize that can translate into every area of life. You say, well, Pastor, I'll tell you, I had some people do this to me, and I was in business with this guy, and now I'm bankrupt, and I, and, and I went through this. What you're doing is you're looking at what you don't have and what you can't do. That's what you're looking at. That's why the pain stays real. Amen. That's why the pain stays real. And although you may can stop the bleeding when you come to church, you still have to go home and live with situations and circumstances. Many times that stay in your life because of that right there. You're looking at what you don't have and what you can't do instead of looking at what you do have and what you can do. Amen. Physically. Well, I've got the pain. I've got the diagnosis of, uh, diagnosis of the doctor. I've got the, you know, I've got the x-ray. I've got, I've got this. I've got that. It doesn't make any difference. You're, look, you're not keeping your eyes on what they should be kept on. Now, Jesus come walking across the water. They thought it was a spirit. They figured out it was Jesus. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come. And that's where we get in trouble. Thank God Jesus has mercy. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water. But he did it in hope. That's why I use the word if. Amen. Because the Bible says when he saw the wind boisterous and the waves beginning to sink, he cried out. Thank God Jesus was there. He lifted him right up. But the reason he sunk, and many of us, that's where we end up. We end up in that sinking process. Could you imagine how that felt to take about three steps, four steps, five steps on the water Amen. I see, everybody throws the water out there as the issue, and everybody throws the wind and the waves out there as the issue. Right? Well, if that's true, then you can come walk across the swimming pool because there's no winds or waves on the swimming pool. But as soon as you take that step, guess what? You're going to sink. What he did is he got his eyes off of what got him out of the boat. And got his eyes, now listen to me, he got his eyes on the impossibility of what he was doing. Think about that for a minute. That's why the Bible says the just shall live, how? By faith. Because there's an element of the impossibility to every individual that makes a decision to live by faith. The enemy knows that. And he tries to get you in a place of offense to keep you from living a life that without God it would be impossible to live. Living a life that's impossible for you to live, for you to live, is a life that glorifies God. And listen, you don't have to say, well, I'm not a preacher, and I, I ain't been to Bible school. I, no, that has nothing to do with it whatsoever. There's men and women all down through history that have taken the Word of God, that have been farmers and all these other types of people and businessmen and just job, people on the job, people that just earn a wage, that have lived supernatural lives beyond their ability to earn the wage they're earning. Are you with me? 
beyond their ability of the talent or skill that they have, and their life is elevated to a place, if you take the God factor out of it, they have no life. That's why the Bible says, in Him, Paul said this in Acts, in Him we live and move and have our being. Now you're going to begin, if you think on these things, meditate on things, here's the thought the enemy will bring to you. And when you're just talking about some type of life out there, just, you know, living spiritually, just, you know, exactly. Because let me tell you the alternative in this day and hour. The alternative this day and hour is fear you've never known before, terror you've never known before, an expectancy of destruction you've never known before. I was looking at some things the other day. I thought, oh my goodness, there's no way that can be true. But it is. This nation is arming itself against itself. It's getting ready, ready to implode upon itself. If there's not a light in the midst of this darkness, and I believe God's merciful enough to look down at America and see what God has done through the churches and all of the missionaries and everything, all of the great men and women of God, the big churches, the little churches, everybody that has named the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the past 100, 150 years since there's been a move of the Spirit or a move of the Holy Ghost, and God will say... One more chance. One, one more chance. One more, one more chance, and it's going to be harvest, and I'm going to come get you out of all of that. In the midst of that, you're going to have to guard yourself and take care of yourself, and you're going to have to go back into your life and dig up any old things in your life. I mean, it's, it's one of the most amazing. How a pastor friend, I'll end with this, last story, maybe. And we were very good friends. And he got offended, not at me, just offended at a situation that had gone on in his church, actually with the former pastor is what it was. And he, he created a side. There, were, there was this side and there was that side. Because there was, you know, a guy came in, built a church, and then, and then left, went somewhere else, turned it over to him, and he pastored for many years. And now the guy came back, neighboring town, took another church. So there's two sides, you know. Some of those people that were loyal to that pastor went over to that church and this happened there and this happened. And next thing you know, the whole thing reeks of offense. Reeks of offense. So in trying to help the situation by saying something like, hey man, get your eyes off all that. Get your eyes on Jesus. Man, there's thousands of people in this area that need to get born again, man. You, you can pray and, and they just build an auditorium, all this kind of stuff. Couldn't do it. He cut every relationship in his life off that ever spoke anything into his life. It never spoke faith into his life, never spoke word into his life. And it, it just broke my heart. I'm like, my God. I pray for him all the time. And he'll come to himself and recognize. And in the meantime, that pastor's unpacked up and left. And the reason to be offended is gone. But he's gotten so used to living with it. Amen. Listen, I don't know why John ended up the way he did, but he did. And Jesus said, blessed are those, blessed are those who are not offended in me. That word is empowered. Nothing will empower you more than to live outside of all the offenses of your life and to live for God because time is short and Jesus is coming back. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. Father, we thank you for your blessing. I thank you, Father. We know that sitting in this room are people right now 
that in their hearts, there are things that have happened to them, and they're right. They're not good things, and they're right. It was wrong, and they were wrong, and the situation was wrong, and what was said was wrong, and what was done was wrong, and it's all been wrong. But Father, we know by your word that what makes it wrong is our view of it. What makes it wrong is how we communicate it. Lord, we see right there in that word. Those, those disciples of John said, are you he that should come or should we look for another? They were carrying the same offense as John. And how many times we pick up little offenses, little things, and they build into our lives. They train us. They're so, so bad. Thank you tonight by your spirit, your precious spirit that is so gentle but so able that is so precise to go right to that one thing and turn the light on so that we may deal with it. Deal with it in forgiveness. Deal with it in love. And just let it go. In Jesus' name. Everybody pray this. Heavenly Father, right now, in this day and in this hour, I choose to serve you. I choose not to live a life victimized, violated, or caused to stumble or fall. And I give you permission by the Holy Spirit to come into my life, into my soul, into my heart, and turn the light on anything in my life in which I might be offended. Heavenly Father, let your grace empower me to forgive and to love. Heavenly Father, let your anointing come into my life supernaturally, delivering me from the weight, from the criticism, from the cynicism, so that I might so that I might, so that I might have my joy back. Have my joy back in its fullness. Thank you for it, Father. I believe I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me help you real quick. Thank you, Lord. He just reminded me of this. The Lord gave me this from prayer. Uh, what's tonight? Wednesday. Monday night. Back there in prayer. He said this to me. You know when you're delivered from an offense because it's not present in your mind. You have to look for it. You have to dredge it up. I couldn't go through all the things that people have offended me from all the years that I've been in ministry for 36 years because it does not have resident in my memory. I'd have to go look for it. But if you get up day after day, week after week, month after month, with that same thing nagging on your brain, you are offended. You're offended. And you need to deal with that. And that's how you identify it. But once it's gone, you have to go look for that thing. You have to go down memory lane or get in a conversation, and all of a sudden that comes back up. You're like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. That's why I'm real hesitant to talk about offenses in my life because they're just not there anymore. I've learned many times people stay offended, but for you to stay right with God keeps you protected and keeps you safe, keeps your heart right, able to receive. Amen. That help you tonight?
Stand on your feet. Father, now we thank you for Psalms 91, that all the promises of God are in him, yea and amen, to the glory of God by us. Therefore, we claim that no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place, that angels have charge over us. So, Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we declare that we are protected and safe. Father, we also declare, we also declare, in the righteous labor of our hands, in the resource you've given us to handle, so many varied, Lord, from someone that works at UTMB, those that work out in the ocean, those that drive ships and trains and other things, those that work in construction, those with their own businesses, those that work in education, teachers and students. Thank you, Lord. No, no foul spirit, no evil, wicked plan from hell. No, no men that are yielding to evil and the spirit of the devil. None of them in any way who have strategized your plan to interrupt our lives with evil. We thank you, Father. We live above that, living under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Lord, for our door of utterance. Lord, let the Spirit of God continue to stir the church, stir us to pray, and stir us, Lord, that we would have a spirit of evangelism about us. Lord, that we would be an answer to people's prayer. People are praying, even tonight. Lord, they're fearful. They're afraid. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to survive. Thank you, Father. We've got the message, the proclamation of the one who can bring peace to their life. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Lord. Father, we walk in love toward one another, unoffended. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. All you can do better than that. Covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Empowered by the word. Anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.